the writer strike is in full effect. Mortal Kombat 2 has found Johnny Cage. We get a look at the Hunger Games prequel with a brand new trailer. We have a potential plot and title for the upcoming Final Destination sequel. Some more Fantastic Four casting news. And our full review, spoiler review, of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Welcome to the map. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monday Madness with Morgan and the Machine. How are you all doing? How are you doing, Morgan? Oh, I'm doing wonderfully, yeah. I'm not <laughs> quite sure what my impression for Guardians of the Galaxy was there in the intro. I think I was pretending to be Star-Lord with his with two, his two guns. guns. Yeah, I mean... Every time I do the intro and you like to call attention to what you're doing, now I'm like watching you instead of looking into the camera. <laughs> I mean, should I stop doing it? Do people enjoy no, no. me being let silly? Let us know. Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> yeah. Do people enjoy me being silly on Janine's intros and trying to do some sort of off the cuff impression as to what you're actually talking about? <laughs> maybe they do, maybe they don't. But maybe. Let us know. I'm okay. I'm okay. Good, I mean, good. it's been it's been an interesting old weekend in in Britain. Oh yes, due to uh, big coronation things. Yeah, and obviously, alongside that comes protests, and alongside mm. that comes fighting people who are protesting. And now apparently we're getting protester suppression, which isn't good. Which isn't good. Especially given the fact that one of the topics we're talking about today is the uh, you, you Writers Guild of America Writers' Strike. Yes. Which is basically a massive protest. We should not be yeah. suppressing protests. I don't care if most of the people in London on Saturday were there to, for celebration reasons. If those people want to protest quietly, that is their every right to do that. Yes, definitely. Well, no issue with them doing that. This is enacting your personal beliefs. It was a silly affair, though, the coronation, I must say. It lasted about 84 hours. It was too long. <laughs> it didn't oh, yeah. need to be that long. Charles looked like he was deeply uncomfortable throughout the entire thing and actually was actively concerned that the crown at some point might fall off his head. Um, it, it was quite funny. I think there should have been alternative commentary provided by perhaps me. I think okay. that would have been wonderful. Yeah, you should have uh, been doing a whole little uh, live stream. A watch along <laughs> of the coronation. Could you imagine yeah. that? For yes. God's sake. <laughs> that would be horrendous. But no, we're, we're okay. It's, it's actually not a massively busy week in terms of movie news and, and the and, and the kind of stuff we usually like to talk about here yeah. on Monday Madness. But we do have that pretty monstrous, full, big spoiler review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The emotional journey that it was, Janine. Yes, yes. Yeah. But has anything been going on 
with you. Are you okay? Are we all okay? How are we? How are you? How am I? How are they? Yeah, we are Groot. We are doing okay. We are Groot. <laughs> I am we Groot, can... as my yes. sign says today, which could mean anything. So, you know, read into that what you will. It, it says whatever you read it says, because yes. that's how Groot works. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, definitely. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. We recently had, you know, May the 4th and Revenge of the 5th. So I had fun doing some cute little work, work uh, applicable office cosplays that I got. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. You know. Which I was a little nervous about because I thought, oh my god, everyone's gonna nobody have else is going weird... to do this. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm gonna <laughs> exactly, but I did get a lot of love for my for my uh, Star Wars love, and it kind of just opened me up to realizing that I I am a Star Wars fan. I you know I think I always call myself a casual fan just because of fear of the fandom really. Um, uh, you know, berating me because I you know, uh, justifiable not... <laughs> fear, justifiable <laughs> yes, fear. that I'm not you know super well versed. Like I can't name every planet or every droid, but I have over the years found myself uh, really getting a lot of enjoyment out of the the movies and kind of going back and looking at them and and all the new content coming out with all of the shows and really delving into the world and the characters and the themes and. Um, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi was re-released in theaters for its big 40th anniversary. So I did a whole big rewatch of um, the uh, prequels and the first two films of the original trilogy. Um, some friends, Kevin Smats, he did a really good edit of Obi-Wan, like editing the show down. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think um, uh, somebody else, I think Brandon Buckingham, maybe can't remember also like worked on it with him and they did this really great edit of obi-wan just editing the show down into like a two-hour movie so i watched that as well and then frank did a really good edit of um uh, revenge of the sith um and added in some scenes from clone wars that were kind of you know scenes oh, okay. of things that were happening around the same time that all of that was happening so i watched some really good edits and did a whole big kind of rewatch before going into return of the jedi so um yeah that really has me just realizing that you know i'm kind of done calling myself a casual fan because i really do enjoy the world of star wars and Good. um I'm going to accept that... enjoying it how I enjoy it and be open to learning yes. more about it as I go along and and uh, yeah, not be afraid of the stinky people in the fandom. I, I think the best <laughs> the best way of putting kind of are you a am I a Star Wars fan? Are you a Star Wars fan into your own head is something I heard on I can't remember who said it. It might have been Christian Harloff actually years ago on a podcast used the quite simple analogy of, do you like a Star Wars movie? If the answer is yes, then congratulations, yeah. you are a Star Wars fan. Yeah. And what better way of thinking is that when yeah. it comes to Star yes. Wars? You know? So, yeah, this past uh, week I was able to kind of really just embrace the fact that, yes, I think I am a Star Wars fan. Cool. I'm, I'm happy for you, Janine. I'm, Thank you. I'm Thank you. I'm proud of you. Um, should I ask the question? Because there's a a couple of little topics of interest. Yes. yes that definitely. we want to get into today. So, Janine, 
uh, we have a few things up today. Morgan, we did kind of talk about it, touch on it, that yes, the writer's strike is in fact happening. We do see a lot of actors and writers and things like that out there protesting, I which you. I think is great. Sorry, sorry, I didn't, I really didn't mean to interrupt you there. I do <laughs> apologize for that. I saw a stupid thing, though, that I wanted to get out of the way with now because, before we actually talk about the legitimately... Oh, mm-hmm good reasons we want to uh, support the the WGA writers strike because my god do these people deserve considerably more than they get now which is virtually nothing Um, I saw a stupid comment um, because something was announced I think there was more, more details on the upcoming series of Doctor Who Mm -hmm. Um, It's obviously continuing. I saw a stupid headline that was Doctor Who um, currently not influenced by the writer's strike is continuing production. Like, why did you need to throw that in there? (laughs) No, well, of course it is. For one, it's the Writers Guild of America that's striking it's got nothing to do with britain it's got nothing to do with british shows or shows being produced in britain yeah so why would it be influencing (laughs) doctor who exactly the first place so why do you have to just throw that in in there why is it comment yeah why is it in why is it being commented on <laughs> yeah. that, oh, they say, oh, don't worry, don't worry, though, it's not affecting Doctor Who. Why would it ever yeah, affect yeah. Doctor Who? <laughs> exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Oh but that gosh. was a stupid comment, I <laughs> But yes, we, uh, it's, it's tough, really, because we know what kind of drivel we're likely to get with a writer's strike. Because oh, yeah. Because we had one 15 years ago. But... It, 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 it creates a better atmosphere for, eventually, you know, it creates a better atmosphere for creatives, for creatives, Yeah, for creativity. Writers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because we're in a situation now that didn't exist 15 years ago when we had the last big strike of this kind, um, it's all basically, you know, majoritively to do with streaming isn't it this one yes and and this this ai thing of you know putting something into ai to to generate a script for you um and then just just... have and then have a writer have to come in and edit that or taking a writer's original script and then running that through ai to have the ai add things to it either direction is very insulting and it is uh, do these people not think that the human touch is required to the writing of a story in any sense to actually give it that level of enjoyability for 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 viewers to watch it they don't want cookie cutter prim and proper things they want genuine human stories told by human beings because no matter what you think about ai and it is genuinely terrifying when you think too hard about it but it will never be able to do what human beings do 
Yeah, it's never I say going for to be better able or to worse. Infuse... I say for better or worse, but it will never be able to do that. It will either become too perfect or just be not nowhere near good enough. Yeah, not genuine at all. Um, and genuine. it's very and it's very insulting to these people who put a lot of work and thought and time and creativity into a script or you know some dialogue or something. Um, so yeah, those two the fact that streaming is is a big part of it and the fact that this ai thing is a big part of it is are, are elements that weren't really things we were dealing with in in 2007 so no. um it, it's really interesting and makes sense that something like this would come up again uh you know we don't have any stories or shows or media really without writers i mean writers are a part of everything comedy sketches and uh you know, late night shows and the news and yeah. all kinds of things like beyond you, you, movies and television, have, you know, you don't have media broadcasts of any kind. Yes. Without writers kind of and people kind of maybe forget that and focus kind of on movies and, and sitcoms and TV shows. But um, yeah, like how we get our news, how we get our comedy and things like that, you know, from, from, you know, late night TV shows and talk shows and things like that, you know, daytime talk shows, Drew Barrymore show and, um, and, uh, you know, Kelly Clarkson show and all those things like that. SNL, um, all have writers. And, um, so they are very much worthy contributors to, um, entertainment as a whole in all aspects. And I think they deserve to be heard and get what they, they're asking for. Um, especially in this climate of, you know, this weird fabricated situation with AI and um, kind of the harsh rigors of, of creating streaming shows and having to get things out quickly and, and, you know, yeah, how difficult all seems, of that can be. You know, it seems like obviously with kind of TV network shows, it's done on a residual check basis, you know, when you get paid and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Your written show is on a rerun or what have you. You get continuous payments every time it's it's done, but it's not the case with streaming, is it? It's it seems to be. It's always been a one, you know, a one fee kind of job, and here's your essentially minimum wage yeah. for writing something. Thank you for your television show. We own that entire thing now. You own yeah. nothing. Bye. Yeah. What a terrible model. What a terribly inhumane model. It's no wonder they're doing this, and I applaud them for doing it. Go yeah. out and fight for what you deserve. Exactly. And, like, I love, like, you know, actors and things are standing up for writers. Uh, Drew Barrymore was set to host, I think, the MTV Movie Awards, but she dropped out because of the writer's strike and her wanting to support those people. Um, we have Seth Meyers and Jimmy Fallon paying their writers out of pocket, you know, paying good yeah, yeah um to show their support like they can afford to do it and seth myers has been a huge advocate for writers um you know i've seen them talk you know he gives them segments on his show um he's given you know help them do their own shows where they can talk about things um and he loves his writers so i love that about seth myers and so the you know was not surprising to hear that him and jimmy fallon both you know decided yeah we're gonna pay our writers out of pocket and give them what they deserve so um yeah i think it's uh just seeing all the support and really highlighting what writers uh do for 
the entertainment field because they get completely, you know, overlooked or not even thought about. Um, uh, it is really going to be a wake up call and hopefully they can get what they need uh, sooner or later. Cause I mean, things are getting going to be getting delayed and put on hold. I think you recently were talking about to me about blade getting delayed because of, Oh, again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because Marvel, of the writer Marvel's so. blade movie. Yeah. Is, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which, which seems to have been delayed about 18 times now. Like, is it actually going to, to happen? <laughs> yeah. And point? I mean, the tease of it even felt know. like it happened quite a long time ago. So, so long um, ago. So yes. long ago. But trouble, yeah, apparently so. this is now being delayed again due to the writer's strike. It was supposed to be filming either, I think, in the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, so. Which is, is a shame, obviously, for that for that movie. And when you hear about stories like this, it's a shame for the, the movies, the shows, the whatever show you know shows of any kind yeah. whatever gets put on hold or, or delayed or whatever garbage ends up coming out because they can't you know the studios can't They're just using leftover something that else. they blow some dust off of from a shelf you know exactly yeah, which is what basically um, happened with a lot of things in in 2007 yeah so you know unless we start to get stuff like that again which god forbid because it will result in some frankly appalling product but it should be it should continue this strike until they, they get, get what, they, what they want yeah mm -hmm. people don't strike Agreed. for no reason yeah in any field you know people strike because they're being essentially exploited which is what's happening it's minimal pay for maximum effort yeah. a lot of the time, which is, it's just, I mean, I'm not saying it should be maximum pay for minimal effort. That would be, the, <laughs> again, that would be wrong. Yeah. But it should be fair. Yes, definitely. So I hope they are able to get what they're demanding because they totally deserve it. And um, we keep getting some amazing projects from these people who, who put so much into, uh, you know, the media that we consume and love. So, yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, from from a spectrum to truly somebody you have never heard of who has sold one script, um, got paid nothing for it, and it's done reasonably okay on a lesser streaming service to your most known and notable of writer every single one of them deserves our support yeah agree because they're fighting for something better for themselves and yeah that's a very honorable thing to do yes i think mm -hmm. so yes keep going keep you know picketing Stand, you stand outside of all those studio games <laughs> and shout at people. Yes. And stop working, you know, because that's what is going to affect them one yeah. way or another. And it's going to affect them badly. Yeah. So that's why people do it. It's a good thing. Yes. Support, support, support the strike. I'm going to say some sort of stupid slogan now, aren't I? I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because that would come <laughs> off as cheesy. And I'm not going to raise my fist in solidarity or do anything <laughs> like that because that would, again, 
come across <laughs> as cheesy, but the the principle is the same. Yes, yes. They deserve our support, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about that Janina certainly is maybe not <laughs> quite as uh, topically relevant? Well, yes, topically relevant, yes, but this is more. This is Monday Madness. We like to talk about <laughs> all kinds of things. things. Yes, like well, um, we do well, actually still have, given the fact that few things are being written. Yes, um, I think I was able to make you a Mortal Kombat fan with our watch along and your first time watch of Mortal Kombat on Somewhat, this yes. channel um, in the nineties one and. It, the one I actually had fun with. I mean, of course, it had its issues, but I did enjoy it. Uh, they did tease a sequel with Johnny Cage, and we've gotten some news of potential Johnny Cage casting that uh, Carl Urban is in final talks to play Johnny Cage in this Mortal Kombat sequel. So we like uh, Carl Urban. Yes. Um, I, I love Carl Urban, uh, but definitely not somebody i would picture because johnny cage is kind of this suave smug hollywood type and you know he's an actor and you know lyndon ashby i think really played into that really well um i think the inspiration for the character was a jean-claude van damme type you know when they kind of uh okay. created him for the game yeah. um and I think they did want him to play that character in the movie, but he ultimately went with Street Fighter playing an American named Kyle. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> made no sense. I've but seen, I've seen Street Fighter <laughs> now, haven't I? Haven't I as well? Yes, oh, we did God. a fun little, when we did a Let's Talk about, I think, video game movies or something. It didn't even make any sense, <laughs> Street Fighter. What, what, what even was it? It wasn't about <laughs> fighting at all. It wasn't. So at least Mortal Kombat like, had the tournament be the whole kind of impetus for the plot. Yeah. So that's why I love that movie. It's so fun. And I did get a lot of fun out of the recent one that came out. So, yeah, I mean, Carl Urban definitely doesn't seem like this very uh, suave, egotistical kind of Hollywood guy, especially like the boys just puts this image of him as this kind of rough, gruff kind of guy. And it's hard to kind of separate my brain from that. Yeah. So, he, I mean, he's better in rough, gruff roles. He's yes. appropriate <laughs> for that kind of thing. So clean cut and egotistical and like smooth talking is not really what I get from Carl Urban, but I think he's an amazing actor. So I could see him transforming into that, but I just can't picture him not being this rough, gruff kind of guy. So it's, it's a really interesting casting choice. I'm curious to see what that looks like. Cause I did really yeah. enjoy a lot about that new movie and, um, yeah, I was really kind cool. of anticipating a sequel to that. And, you know, I like Mortal Kombat is one of my favorite movies ever because it's just so ridiculous. And I watched it, you know, for one of my favorite like movie theater memories as a kid and just had a lot of fun with that movie. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a franchise I am excited about and um, really curious to see what that looks like. <laughs> Well, it's a silly movie, and I have... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've watched it once for our watch-along that we did do of, uh, is it 94 when it came out? Yes, Mortal yeah. Kombat. Mm -hmm. All I do remember from it was the fact that the entire movie, well, none of it looked remotely real. 
Um, it was <laughs> yeah, all just some questionable sort of strange CGI. background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the music was just instantly danceable. Oh yeah, I got I you. I think I remember you know. starting that entire watch along by just going. It's like some sort of rave music. It's ridiculous. Yes, I mean that soundtrack is iconic. But um, yes. So some very interesting casting news. I'm just excited because I'm a fan of Mortal Kombat. So uh, yeah, just I, I really need to see it to to get a full picture. But I can't quite picture it right now. But I do love Carl. Well, I like Carl Urban too. Yeah. I mean, I have no concept of the new Mortal Kombat at all, and I'm not massively into it as a a franchise but i do like carl urban and if carl urban wants to do something janine i would trust carl urban that he knows what he's doing yes yes agreed agreed so i'll um, just say that on, yes. on, on mortal Kombat two terms i think <laughs> yes um we did actually do get a look into something else with a new trailer for the hunger games prequel film uh, with a young yes, president snow the Ballad of Songbirds and, and snakes. snakes. Yes, very interesting title. Um, I'm a fan of The Hunger Games. I mean, it's kind of like Twilight to me in the aspect of I, you know, was never a big reader, but I read an article about Twilight in Entertainment Magazine that it was coming out, and it, it drove me to read those books. And while those books are not perfect in any way, like, as a non-reader, I read a whole big, huge series of books, and I'm kind of proud of that, you know? So that always kind of uh, informs my love for those movies and that franchise, because it was me accomplishing something that I don't normally do. Um, and that, that goes for The Hunger Games as well. That's a whole book series that I actually delved into and read and really enjoyed. Okay. Um, so those movies, um, you know, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. Um, uh, by the end, they did kind of get a little not as not as great, I think, as the first film um, or even the Catching Fire was really good. But kind of uh, the ending wasn't as strong in terms of the movies. But it's it's a world that I think is really interesting and creative and and has a lot to say in, in a political aspect. Uh, so getting to go back and see kind of our big villain uh, in his youth and kind of to see things that informed who like what made him who he is and a potential kind of love story with him because you know the character we see in those movies we can't picture really having a loving bone in his body um, or a sympathetic no, sentimental bone in his body at all so to see this young version of him potentially in love and and the kind of the earlier um growings of what the hunger games ends up being and being this big televised thing and this big kind of entertainment spectacle i'm really curious to see how this started why it started um and all of that so uh yeah we got kind of some insight on what that world looks like in, in earlier panem and and what earlier hunger games kind of look like and and what young snow looks like so i'm really interested to to, to uh really check this movie out yeah, I mean, I think the guy has a tough task ahead of him to try and convey not just a young, um, you know, President Snow, but a young Donald Sutherland, because Donald yeah. Sutherland has a particular distinct. level of... Um, he, has a particular, he has a distinct voice, certainly, but he has a 
quite a distinct style to his acting as well. It's somewhat lazy, but very kind of... I, 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 I think it's almost like... I don't know if it comes across in his voice, actually, I suppose, but it, it, I find it almost Robert Mitchum-like. Yes, yeah. Very quietly intimidating and quite seemingly quite lazy. And he does a lot without doing very much somehow. Just so much without doing it. Yes. And he's also going to have to kind of convey the moments in turn when this character's heart turns cold, essentially, and yeah. um, his drive for turns power. Turns to snow. <laughs> yes. No. And, and his drive for power ultimately kind of takes over yeah. everything else because we ultimately know this character to become the president of Pan Am and whatever. And, and so what what's going to happen in this movie to drive this man to, to become what we know. So um, yeah. I think that's a lot to kind of take on for a, a particular character to portray a younger version of somebody we've seen to portray kind of the, the uh, trajectory of where this character ends up and where we know them to be. Um, later on in their life so uh, i'm really curious to see if this if this can be pulled off <laughs> it does look very interesting i mean it, yeah. it's a it's a good looking trailer as well yeah aesthetically i think it's a really good looking trailer um you've got a pretty great you know ensemble cast in there as well peter dinklage is in there rachel mm -hmm. ziegler's in there viola davis I I viola davis in yeah. there yes as well so you know you've got these top of the range actors really who are involved in this movie i think like i said the visuals of it have developed since the first hunger games came out i mean that was over 10 years just over 10 years ago i think wasn't it when the first yeah. hunger games came out i want to say it was about 2012 ish um I, I I never I never minded the Hunger Games actually I you know I wasn't absolutely enamoured by them I think I was still at that point coming off and sticking with Harry Potter and had yeah. obviously just finished as a movie series and I was still very much in that kind of mindset and continue to be let's call it what it is yeah. I, I still continue to be regardless of what uh, a certain franchise's creator is like i still continue to be a fan of that particular world um but i never minded the hunger games i certainly really do like the first movie um i remember little of the of the other ones to be honest with you but i do know i have seen them yeah so <laughs> okay maybe that will i've definitely i've seen them once i've seen the okay. first hunger games more than once but I've seen the other ones one time each, and maybe I wasn't paying entirely <laughs> full attention. Who okay, knows? well maybe it wasn't you'll, you'll... at the cinema. Um, okay, well you'll have to do a, a, a rewatch. I think Catching Fire is definitely the best one. It's got like the the kind of coolest ideas and really building up Katniss for yeah. the role that she's going to take. Um, and the, the the latter two get a little bit clunky, but still, you know, I think solid films. Um, I mean, I was but... obviously in my 
uh, I love Jennifer Lawrence Faye as much as we all were at that point yes, as well. Yes. Um, so um, yeah, I think definitely worth a rewatch, especially if you're going to be seeing the younger Snow. I think you kind of want to see yeah, where his story yeah. ends up um, before going into this movie. Um, Have more clarity sure. on it, I suppose. Yes, and really. But no, of... it is. It is a world that's interesting as well. It's a. It's a you know. A, from a political standpoint, it's a yeah. world that is very interesting. It's got a lot of smart satire in it almost, hasn't it? And um, yeah. whether it is to do with the Hunger Games and the kind of spectacle of the entire event or whether it is a far more serious revolution aspect yeah. that the Hunger Games has in it, um, where does all that stand in this new movie? It's not clear from this trailer, you know. It's I think what we what we will end up getting is what is obvious with the world of the Hunger Games with with Panem is you have all your nice little pampered elite people in one place, and the rest of them are all poverty stricken, yeah. and that's the deal. Yes, and it looks like maybe the Hunger Games were happening in 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 Snow's time because I think he is a. Um, He's the mentor to um, yes to uh, Rachel Ziegler. I think is, is that yes in this movie to her. So I think it's happening, but this might be the first televised um, Hunger Games, or potentially like the first time they're actually like having a host and really playing it as an entertainment thing. Like it started as a sacrificial thing to show your your praise for the mercy Panem has given you or whatever. And then it turned into an entertainment thing. So it looks like this might be the early because we're getting our young Caesar Flickerman, our young Stanley Tucci played by Jason Schwartzman. Um, yes. Yes. And yeah. I think he says something. This is the first, I'm the first host of, of the, you know, hunger games, whatever. So it's a good, um, good casting actually that I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, re I really don't hate the casting of young Stanley Tucci as Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. No, I think it works. Really I think well. it does work. Um, so that'll be fun to see these younger versions of characters that we have met. So we might get more as well. More stupid um, hairstyles. <laughs> yes. Wigging it up. No yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to delve back into that world and, and see these younger characters and kind of get in, an insight on how the Hunger Games really started and, and all of that. So, yeah, I think this trailer looked really good. I just hope it's worthwhile and not just some sort of cash grab to yeah. draw people back into the Hunger Games franchise. Yeah, yeah, you know, like like the Fantastic Beast movies ended up being. Oh yeah, miserable failures, really, didn't they? Yes, just, just try and get people back in back into that world. Yeah, and, and it could have been yeah. really fun, but could have been. It could have been, but you ruined that yourself, one person. So <laughs> yeah. You ruined that yourself. It was your fault, and you, you yeah. and you know who you are. In fact, yes. you probably don't know who you are. <laughs> You're probably too full of yourself to realize to realize that, you that are it's you. You are. you are the problem. Yes, um, but yes, definitely. Unfortunately, really and to think how admired you were. Yeah, boo. and to think. <laughs> Let's all admire who wrote the Hunger Games. I forget now. Susan uh, Susan Collins. Collins yeah. Yes, let's admire her instead. Yes, well, she's yeah. done something questionable <laughs> that we don't know about either. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Let's admire 
Stephanie Meyer. Well, I don't think you can say that either. I think a lot of people find her a bit problematic because, you know, she injected a lot of her weird, you know, her religious beliefs into those books and was very much against um, any black vampires. Um, So she had nothing to do with the the casting of Laurent, I don't think. Mm. Um, I think a lot of. Yeah, I think a lot of. Why can't we celebrate anybody? (laughs) I think people, you know, Native people have issues with her depictions of them in her books and didn't really consult them for their kind of history um, in terms of kind of using them in her books and things like that. Jasper, the character of Jasper is a Confederate yeah, soldier. Yeah, <laughs> so, so yes, people are finding, you know, very kind of Mormon ideals in that book. And, mm. you know, so she's definitely not as bad as the other. <laughs> but I, I don't think you can outright say less <laughs> Stephanie. Let's not celebrate. Let's not celebrate yeah. Stephanie Meyer either. <laughs> Um, what a but yeah, shame. Suzanne what Collins, good job. For all we know, Suzanne Collins, <laughs> perfectly lovely woman. For all we know, even at that. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on from the yes. Hunger Games. We, we're, we, we're into this, though. We're into this yes, new Hunger yes, Games good by trailer. the looks good of trailer. it. Um, we did get some potential uh, information about this new a Final Destination movie that was announced at CinemaCon. A potential oh, yes, we spoke title. about this last week. Yes, a potential title and a potential plot. So I don't know how concrete this information is, but it's potentially going to be called um, Final Destination Bloodlines and set to film, I think, from July to September of this year. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> In fact, it's not a question. It's just a statement. What did I speak about last week? titles that i hate <laughs> colon titles janine well we don't colon, know if this is, we don't know colon titles it's a colon title i can tell a colon you really call it a colon a colon yes <laughs> that's how it's pronounced okay. i don't know what your issue is it's colon. a colon title um no it sounds like the the brother of elon musk colon colon <laughs> i call it a colon not a colon well it's a colon the fact <laughs> is okay. colon is not the brother of of e- why are we bringing up elon musk it's the last person i want to talk because you're saying colon like it's a name like, that's it's, how it's pronounced it's just colon 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 do you do you call that organ in your body a colon I don't refer to that organ in my body, to be honest with you. But yes, I would do if it was called the colon. Um, It's a colon title, Final Destination, Bloodlines. You can already tell. I can see the two dots there. I don't like it. Colon titles. Shaking my (laughs) fist at colon titles. Yes. So um, um, we also got a potential synopsis, and it was not very well written. So depending... I would like to point out this synopsis. (laughs) doesn't make any sense so depending on how you interpret this i think it could be really interesting and doing something different while staying in the framework of these movies but it's very hard i think to really nail down what it means based on how it is a grammatically so, (laughs) so i'm going to read the synopsis right now 
uh, a young woman named Stephanie has a recurring dream about dying in a fire that occurred in the 1960s. She realizes that it's not just a dream, but a premonition of the fate that awaits her family. Her grandmother had escaped the same fate years ago. Now, death is coming after Stephanie's entire family, and she must find a way to stop it before it's too late. So, now, do you know how <laughs> I read that? I would like to just explain how I read that. Okay. And how I think this would make a really very interesting Final Destination movie. I think Stephanie here, whoever this is, has seen a vision of the past fire event that happened in the 60s and has then realised that her own grandmother should have been in that, but wasn't, because she's obviously here. She knows her grandmother. Here she is, the grandmother. And death follows her around then, and it's all familial. What an interesting concept it would be, though, if it is this, this new Final Destination yeah. movie, of it actually being not just random strangers, not just people who were there by happenstance, but an act but death actually coming after the a entire lineage of a family. Yeah, because, because the grandmother you were able to survive for that long and have children and those children. Yes, had and children. had you died in that fire, your family wouldn't have existed. Yeah. So like I like that idea. But how it's worded, if that were the case, why not word it? It all, turns out it happened to be the fire that her grandmother was in or whatever. Y yes, like, yeah, I don't know. I just like it to be that. Yes. And so it's like, or is it alluding to the fact that the fire she's seeing did, like this movie is not set in, in modern day. It's set like a little bit after the 60s or around the 60s or is the 60s yeah. the time of her grandmother or is, or is the 60s there a second the time fire of... yes that's or is happening the 60s... now that yes. also happened in the 60s <laughs> yes so is is she in from modern day and having a premonition of something that happened in the 60s or is she in the 60s and having a and it's just telling us that that's when it takes place <laughs> so how it's written is very murky but I would like to think it's kind of what you're saying. So even if it's, whether it be a story of her seeing something, having a premonition from the past, and then that bringing to light something that happened with her grandmother that she never knew about, that would be interesting. Um, or it's like you said, she is seeing something that did happen to her grandma. Like, so I don't know. It's just makes <laughs> how it's written is not very clear, but I think clear. the idea of bringing up something from a family member's past and having it affect just kind of this family and, and everything around them, I think is interesting to keep it within line of, you know, the concept of these films, but doing something different with it. So yeah, very much so. But yes, very confusing, <laughs> confusingly written. If it was clear to you or what you think they meant by the synopsis, please let us know in the comments below and and yes. give us your thoughts. Because yeah, it was written kind of very confusingly. Whether it takes place in the past or she's from modern day seeing something from the past, I think it's a little difficult to nail that down based on how that was written. So let us know your thoughts on this synopsis in the comments below. And this is not even a concrete synopsis. Either. No, it, it's this it, is a I rumored yeah. synopsis, I believe. Yeah. So I hope it is something like that because I do think it's an interesting concept for it to be entirely familial and not 
like random strangers like i said i think that would that's a definite different turn yeah. for the final destination movies and would actually give it reason to exist given the fact that obviously as we all know and we mentioned again last uh, week on monday madness the final destination ser uh, series has a perfect cyclical nature to it yes and um I, I think a big fire would be an interesting inciting kind of incident yeah the movie. sure these movies are known like yeah that. these movies are known for their big kind of accidental openings that show kind of all the deaths happening so i think a fire fits into um a, a solid uh, kind of big opening mass situation that we've gotten you yeah. know which is a trademark to these movies so i think a fire is, is a good choice for that kind of inciting incident for sure um but yeah I, I like the idea of doing something different but keeping it in the realm of ideas that we're familiar with from this franchise but kind of putting an interesting spin on it so we'll see Still how true that is on the, <laughs> yeah told though so oh yes i mean maybe we'll see a, a young <laughs> de-aged no de -aged no it happened 60s, once already with the 60s tony todd with the afro <laughs> janine it bloodworth, happened once already bloodworth in more guy school <laughs> no we don't want this i want to see mr bloodworth with an afro and in in, in in bell bottoms in in more guy school well then you've got to completely <laughs> recast because we cannot cannot <laughs> have weird CG de-aged <laughs> Tony Todd like we had at the end. We just had his head. Out. It was just his head. It was, it was weird. <laughs> it was so weird. I think the Candyman legacy sequel is a great movie, but that is a weird moment at the end of it when Tony Todd's CGI, well, garbage-looking CGI head well, I think had he not been out. there, had he not been there, I think people would have been disappointed. So I think they. I would have been very disappointed, him. but actually, just have it look like Tony Todd. I know Tony Todd looks visibly older. I'm aware of that, but the fact is, it looked stupid. Well, and I don't I need see. that to happen. I, I to mean, Mr. I'm not Tony saying... Todd again. Well, they can have a new a young guy play him, but still use his voice because he can't not have his voice. Exactly. Yes. Um, but yes, I want to see uh, Afro Bell Bottom Bloodworth in more guy school, <laughs> in okay. creepy more guy school somewhere in this movie. Okay. If it does take place in the sixties, or we do get some kind of sixties flashback. Um, but yes, <laughs> uh, we did talk recently on another Monday Madness about uh, Adam Driver's potential casting as Mr. Fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. but now we you, gotten... you wish at this point they would just tell us who well, the which they apparently, are. which they apparently know and have their casting because there were some rumors about Mila Kunis, <laughs> there were some rumors about Mila Kunis being cast as Sue Storm. And the reason that was out there, which she explained on a recent talk show, was the fact that she went out to dinner, I believe, with the guy who is either directing the movies or write, wrote the movies or whatever. And people saw them out together or meeting and assumed that it was, you know, because he cast her in the movie. But she says, while I am not in the movie, he told me who is in the movie. So she knows who the Fantastic Four is going to be played by. But obviously she didn't say um what are they waiting for i don't know what do you, what do you think they're waiting for 
to just have, announce who they're playing. I have no idea. And maybe there might be waiting now because if it hasn't been written yet and the writer's strike might be affecting it. No, so that's maybe, a good point. So yes, maybe that's, that's what is delaying it. But now the talks and rumors are about Margot Robbie potentially playing Sue Storm, which I think, you know, if you're going by the comic accurate look i think she has the look for that for sure Absolutely. and there's always this there's this big stigma especially kind of with that was happening with the 2004 film i think that's when that came out um was to not cast an actress who at least is in her 30s and this weird thing about casting you know women in their 20s to play kind of these parts like margot robbie's 32 but um you know they always kind of want to go younger for for roles like that um hence jessica alba being cast and the fact that they had to give her blue contacts and a blonde wig <laughs> to play this part in, instead of just casting somebody with blonde hair and blue eyes um who is a seemingly maybe better actor than jessica alba but only casting her because she was kind of the hot girl of the time and young and you know in everything but playing the hot girl so that's why we want her in this movie listen Despite... I'll, I'll be i'll be honest with you jessica alba is the invisible uh the invisible woman sue storm in those uh fantastic four movies from the mid-2000s is a little bit of um i would say not not majorly not majorly but certainly an element of morgan's childhood crushes oh yeah say. yeah no, no, not like I said, not a major one, but I think yes, and I an think that's to that's Jessica yeah. Alba in those movies, and and that's the reason she was cast in that movie, and obviously throwing scenes yes, in there for getting undressed in the streets and things like that played a lot of into that. So um, now, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. I um, think you know casting someone a little like older but still kind of in you know in a very populous sphere and somebody who has proven themselves as a, a solid actress and who has a, a great range and and does have that look of the character from the comics which i know you know that is not the most important element but i think people can you know easily get more behind a casting when it does look like comic accurate i guess um it i don't think it really matters to me if it's not something that um inherently affects who the character is but um yeah if you're going for that look then yeah i think she definitely has that look and um she is a proven actor so i mean i don't hate that idea of margot robbie being mrs fantastic and i think you know i could see her really pairing nicely with adam driver as well if that is true also i mean we, this is the thing we we don't know i, th I think it's actually quite an unusual pairing <laughs> Okay. Because they're obviously they obviously end up as a as a married couple. Yeah. You no, know, Mister Fantastic and, and Sue Storm. But um, I think it's more like if they are in fact because I mean I I'm not super well versed with them from the comics and like how their dynamic is, but um, if it's anything like how um, he was portrayed in the 2004 film, him being very kind of analytical and science focused, and um, you know. And her being more kind of free thinking and like that, I think them not really them feeling a little bit opposite would work yeah. for kind of how I know those characters to be. So yeah, and I don't and I don't hate that thought, and I would agree with that thought. And I have I have absolutely nothing against Margot Robbie. I really do like Margot Robbie. I think I am just naturally 
at this point more used to and enjoy Margot Robbie so much playing absolutely chaotic characters. Okay. <laughs> that I think somebody like Sue Storm, a very competent kind of assured person, is gonna be a change of pace, I would say, for Margot okay. Robbie. And I think I think it would be an interesting one if she were to be cast. Um as this, not least of which is she'd be going from major DC character to major, to major Marvel, Marvel character. character. Yeah, that's a big shift. And like we have seen crossover before, but it yeah, but isn't to something this that level. hasn't happened yeah. at this degree, you know, to yeah. the, to like this degree at this yeah. real leading role level. It would also upset me to the point of where I would assume that would be it for Margot's Harley Quinn, which would, I don't want that to be it for Margot's no. Harley Quinn. No, and, and like the to two. carry on for more things as Harley Quinn. Her final two appearances were some of my favorite movies in the whole of the DCEU. So the fact that they didn't do very well, it's probably telling people some dumb thing that's not accurate to, you know, actually so the at the actually the critical acclaim of those movies and just kind of you know the box office not speaking to how great those movies are um i mean i think she's perfectly capable of doing both but um and i think the, they, the they, future is, the, yeah the future of her is loud at that level I, we don't, I don't know. know i don't know so um We'll have to see in, in terms of like contracts and things like that, um, how that all plays out. But yeah, we haven't gotten an official announcement and I don't know that we will until um, maybe there is a more clear um, idea for, for what this movie is going to be, if it, it, the writer's strike is impacting it in any kind of way. But apparently, according to Mila Kunis, it has, she knows who's playing these people um, and uh, we're getting these... Uh, you know rumors so yeah i don't know so potentially adam driver and margot robbie but we don't know for sure so it could be i mean it could be anybody it could be somebody we've never heard of which i actually think would be quite refreshing and because nobody would be able to kick up a fuss because you've never yeah. heard of them yeah you know no nobody will be able to because you know and i'm sure i said this when we were talking about the potential for Adam Driver as Reed Richards, people are going to be mad whoever gets cast yeah. as the Fantastic Four because people are enormous children and just how throw tantrums, or as oh, I yeah. like to say, throw a wobbly whenever something <laughs> doesn't go their way. Doesn't go the way they want. Yes, and, and it's like this whole thing. Like with they're the just uh, with the Fast and Furious, with Fantastic <laughs> Four. It probably like, happened with Fast and Furious as well, but yeah. that's besides you're the you're getting disappointed about an idea that these movies didn't give you. You know that you're exactly. just putting on yourself. You are building up your own expectation, and when that doesn't happen, then you get mad at the movie or the exactly. casting. Um, it's nonsensical. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So, yes. But I think that's it for all of our uh, what's up topics. Oh, I think it is. I think we can move into our well. let's talk review. Well, this is interesting. 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Full spoiler review. Um, that is exactly what is coming up. <laughs> yes. It is. Let's talk on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is a heavy way of rounding out the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, Janine. I think it has yeah. to be said. A remarkably emotionally charged movie. Yes. Um, um, trigger warning to anyone as well who has any issues with kind of body horror or animal cruelty type things. Um, not me. Well, I say not me as though I'm into it. I, I like body horror. I don't yes. obviously like being cruel to Animals Damn. and animal experimentation, but is, that yes. is an element of this movie. That is, it, and and, and it's been teased movie. throughout the, the throughout the, the franchise. Like we know that this is kind of generally what happened to Rocket. You know, we've seen um, the kind of markings and plugs and things in his body, so we know that it's leading to this. James Gunn has always talked about um, Rocket being kind of the secret protagonist of this trilogy the whole time. And I mean, the trailers lead to us to believe that there's going to be a lot of a Rocket story, which deals with a lot of that. So while, yes, there is some animal cruelty elements throughout the film, I think um, I don't know how to tell this story of Rocket without showing that. Um, well, no, that's actually what and, the movie's about. Exactly. So you need to, so you, need, you need to deal with that. And, um, I think because our character, our in-movie characters are having the same reaction that we're having to what happened to him um, also helps, um, you know, making that more meaningful in terms of, of, of you know, sympathizing with Rocket and, and, and really, yeah. uh, you know, uplifting him after kind of seeing what he's been through. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely I mean, difficult scenes in there to watch, but very understandable for where this character goes and and his backstory and really understanding him more, um, for sure. Definitely, this this is entirely Rocket's movie, really. I mean, you've just said there how James Gunn said in the past that the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, Rocket is the secret protagonist. I would. I would have to look closer at the first two movies to recognize that, but I wouldn't have to look at all close in this movie to yes. recognize and that no, I the lead character of this movie. This movie is Rocket's story. Not only is it Rocket's origin story in these extended flashback sequences of him being experimented on, gaining these other weird amalgamation of animal machine friends that he has yeah. and you know they're all in this cage together just being essentially tortured um for you know for for the purpose of evolutionary perfection and all this kind of stuff which is a fascinating concept to deal with i think the villain concept in this movie is very very oh well done yeah very very body horror like you've said because it, it's genetic experimentation and genetic perfection playing god all this kind of very interesting sci-fi stuff um that always interests me always interests me and i think that this movie 
tells those stories, deals with those concepts yeah. and really quite horribly and impressively yeah. horribly. Like, and the fact to the point that... where there's there's horror elements really to the movie. It's quite genuinely terrifying yes so definitely not i think for little kids to be watching this movie no <laughs> um for sure um the high evolutionary is going to terrify them oh yeah he's really kind of scary especially at the end when we see like his true face and see what rocket actually did to him he looks but, like two face from yes Batman. and in terms of um kind of that whole body horror aspect and the animal cruelty aspect even nebula them kind of watching the video of rocket surgery and nebula saying that's worse than what thanos did to me and we know what thanos and did we know to what her. thanos did to her. yes and she mentions it all the time about how he ripped her apart and replaced each part of her body with mechanical parts every time she failed or messed up um as a punishment and so for her to say that what is happening to rocket is worse than whatever happened to her and we know how bad that was uh just really speaks to to the pain that rocket is dealing with and i actually did a rewatch before going into this movie so you definitely it's easy to if you're focusing on rocket you can see what james gunn meant and the fact that he takes so much offense to the term raccoon and um because it's always said to him in a negative context it's not you yeah. know being a raccoon in and of itself it's because of this negative connotation it's always used as an insult as a way to insult him and under uh, and demean him and that's why it upsets him um you know he never takes it lightly when somebody kind of calls him some little thing or or misnames him he's always kind of upset by it and and angered by yeah. it made made to feel sad about it um and so it was kind of interesting watching those first two movies and really taking the time to focus on him throughout that but it's because and we learned that much more in this movie he doesn't know what he is yeah. really he he just he's just rocket you know he just yeah. sees himself as i'm rocky i once had friends that one of which had a really stupid name um two of which leave, had a really two leaves, of which had really stupid and floor alone okay leave I'm, i will not leave teeths and floor alone sort of a names teeths don't don't mis misspeak about them stupid <laughs> walrus um <laughs> so mean <laughs> especially knowing what happens to teeths like the way you're talking about i know to be fair it. knowing what <laughs> happened there is pretty yeah Shouldn't so. be mean to teeths, really, should I? It's pretty nasty. Strike that, really. reverse it. <laughs> Strike, yeah, scratch it, reverse it, wind it back, Willy Wonka. <laughs> um, no, but he is, you know, he just views himself as, as Rocky. It's only in this movie he actually learns that Raccoon's just who he is. He that's is like, actually... That's his species. And, he is, and a I mean, raccoon. in and he in embraces comic, that. Yes, by the end, because in the comics he is Rocket Raccoon. Like that's Ra Rocket Raccoon. So I love by the end he's like, my name is Rocket Raccoon because, um, uh, he will only refers there our villain. You know, his creator only refers to him by his number. He, he yeah. doesn't. You know, they gave themselves. I think there was a lot of emphasis on the fact that they gave themselves those names. They named themselves because they were only known as these, uh, you know, unimportant numbers. 
Um, and the fact that they found happiness with each other and played together and had this dream of, of getting to see the sky, something so simple and um, just how it this ends is, for all of them is so heartbreaking. Um, it's that, beyond yeah. heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely devastating. Yeah. It is absolutely devastating. The movie plays it so, so horribly. What happens to Rocket's friends? What happens to Rocket himself? Yeah. Absolutely. But how he has to then deal with just the execution, really, yeah. of, you know, his friends, because they matter nothing to the high evolutionary. Yeah. You know, they they are actual, they are experimentational numbers. That is all they are to him. Which is why I find him a particularly grimly terrifying And even villain. when, yes, and when, when, when uh, Rocket is screaming in agony for the loss of his friends and the High Evolutionary is just mocking him and mocking yeah. his screams. Like, so sick and twisted. And the fact that he also mocks him before that. Um, you know, he has this machine where he's putting these animals in there and trying to make them these human-animal hybrids. And it's not working because the animals are getting uh, an overproduction of some hormone that's making them violent. And Rocket is able to, because of the brain he's been given by the high evolutionary, is able to figure out the problem with the machine and what's making them so violent. And so, you know, Rocket thinks he's going to get to, to go to this new world that the high evolutionaries created. Um, and when he is told that he's not going to get to go there, the high evolutionary is just very kind of mocking. You could figure out how to solve this problem with these animals, but you couldn't figure out that you're too ugly to go to my new world. Yeah, like, and just kind of scoffs real. at him. It yes. Brutal. So he's the he, entire he, backstory. Yeah. Of the the entire backstory element of this movie is just brutally devastating. Yeah. But you come to appreciate Rocky, I think, so much more as a character. Because yes, okay, half of the movie is spelt it is spent in Rocket's past. But the other part of the movie is for the vast majority of the time, Rocket's on his deathbed, essentially. Yes. And it, and the he rest of the guardians are, are fighting for the fighting with their lives to save him. Yeah, which just shows how how much he means to them. And yeah, so I think exactly. that that's enough to speak for Rocket in the present. Them fighting for him, you know, despite what it's going to cost them. Exactly, because um, he only, I mean. This is a full spoiler review of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. We said that at the very beginning. He obviously comes back to aid in the final kind of yes. battle and escape. He, he They end up helping him, you know, re revive him from his near-death experience at the hands of our Adam Warlock in yeah. this movie. Um, but the entire movie is learning who Rocket is for one half of it and then intercutting that with learning just how far his friends are willing to go to save him and just what he means to everybody yes. else. And that's even enough. And that is enough to even get 
um this version of gomorrah to to find some understanding and, and um yeah really appreciate them for who they are and understand why peter is you know so hung up on you know the relationship he had with her um because at this point he you know is having a hard time seeing this version of her and her not remembering and still being kind of this cruel hateful person because of all of the anger she's had built up from her father um and she just can't have any sympathy or understanding for him being in love with this other version of her um but when she's kind of stuck on the ship and she's looking through his things and then she's just seeing how much this team loves rocket and what they're willing to do and seeing how strong this family is i think it's enough to have her kind of respect them and like them and see a bit of that future version of herself and uh, and see you know well maybe i can see um why i had a, a life and a relationship with these people um yeah. so i think their love for rocket and them going you know as far as whatever they need to go to save him was so uh, powerful enough to get this hateful version of gamora to to a level of understanding with with seeing that you know future version of herself and really seeing that you know i i get it now i get why i was a part of this family um after yeah. seeing her be just so harsh and cruel to them like the whole bulk of the movie so i mean every 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 one of the guardians is really well well dealt with and well balanced in this movie i i think from a a story standpoint and from a from a send-off standpoint because that is what it is you know we end yeah. this movie with a parting of the Guardians of the Galaxy. As we know them. yeah. As we know them. A new team formed with elements of the previous Guardians. But, you know, Peter's no longer there at the end of this movie. Mantis has gone off. Drax and Nebula are staying on nowhere. Yeah, they found a new purpose for themselves. And then Rocket Gamora's to, gone back to the Ravagers. To the Ravagers, yeah. And then, you know, yeah, Rocket is now the leader of this new iteration of the Guardians. As, as if you watch the films, like um, him constantly kind of stepping up in a command aspect in those films as yeah. well. So, um, and Peter telling him, you've always kind of been the leader. You've always been in charge and all of that. Um, and yeah, definitely, I think it's worth going back and watching Rocket, paying attention to him in those first two movies, um, and then this one kind of really just seals the deal on on this really being his story. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I was completely shocked just kind of seeing all the emotion coming out of this movie, hearing uh, Dave Bautista and Zoe Saldana talk so much about how they're this is their last movie and they're done and all of that. Um, really thought that we were going to get a death in this movie <laughs> and we came I mean, damn near close a couple of times but we did. like does gamora was... need to die again i mean i'm perfectly no. happy to well no like i didn't expect her to die but just kind of this finality talk from these actors in general i'm um, just being out there um and just kind of all the those early reviews talking about um you know the sadness and the emotion and this being the last iteration of these guardians and knowing all of that going into this movie i was a hundred percent banging on somebody dying <laughs> and so the right. fact that everyone lived and they're just kind of moving on i think made me happy i didn't want to see anybody die i don't think you always need that to to you know 
have stakes or whatever um when it does you don't, happen and you also you also don't always need that to be an intensely emotional movie yeah because this was an intense and movie so the fact that people were the, saying that because of yeah, everything else that happens because of a particular character's journey yeah. and not even just the devastation and, and hardship of rocket's journey but the fact that really by the end all the guardians almost self-realize don't they they realize actually what they themselves in themselves want from life yeah. really you know new new old gamora sure she has her family with the ravagers she goes back to the ravagers drax they say it at the end of this movie has always really just wanted to be a dad again. Yes, like he talks about his daughter so much in these movies and the fact that like, yeah, Nebula makes him come to that realization like you were never meant to be a destroyer, you were meant to be a dad. So I need and your Nebula help here. Nebula needs and, some fun. Yes, and she needs a purpose. Um, you know, she, she uh, is good at helping people. And so the fact that she wants to build this community and help people and even Craglin had his whole little kind of moment as well. Um, really trying to live up to Yondu and and you know as kind of his most loyal guy and and really trying to um, live up to to that legacy and respect that legacy of Yondu. So I like that he got a kind of little some something too with trying to learn the arrow and help out and and uh, he got a little moment of seeing him and hearing his words kind of guide him. Yes. So I think that was really sweet as well. Um, and it yeah, I, I liked eventually succeeding <laughs> for Craglin as well. Yeah, yeah. And I liked that, you know, Peter at least got a little bit of closure and at least Gamora recognizing how she could have fallen in love with him. You know? Yeah. And in seeing in seeing it, I bet we had a lot of fun. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, you have no idea. So I, I, I liked that there was a recognition in her that she was like, Okay, this makes sense. Yeah, um, and that sparks. So he yes. Peter so at least that's wanting... enough for him. To, to to go home and move and he can move forward now. Yeah, it it's it's more than enough for him. That sparks him into wanting to actually find out about his own past. Yes. That he doesn't I, really know about, you know, his family that he left behind. Yes. Or, and the fact know, that was he was taken away from. Yes. So. And like uh, this ridiculous idea that obviously a child has about what's considered old. Because it's like when I what when I watched things like Full House and things like that when I'm a little kid, you know, the grown-ups on that show felt incredibly old, only to learn that yes. they were like the age that I am now when they were playing these parents and stuff on these shows. It's crazy. So you really have no concept of what old is. So the fact that he's over here, my grandpa's probably like a 90, 100 years old and probably people die at 50, you know, on Earth. And because he left him as a little kid. So he has no concept of like human aging. And, you know, he no. has, still has that he still has that childlike way of thinking that grownups who are maybe in their 30s are hundreds of years old. Um, so the fact that he just kind of writes it off as that, I think, is just a really funny thing that speaks to you know peter not knowing that like even seeing him try to drive and you realize oh yeah he wouldn't know yeah. how to drive a car because yeah. he left when he was a little kid so i loved things like that really informing peter and reminding us that he left earth at so young and he left his home and and him his weird interpretation of what he, his, he thought his grandpa did 
But his grandpa actually like, you know, you see his grandpa actually put that gift from his mother in his bag for him. And he's just trying to protect him when he just has him step out of the room when everything's going on. Um, it was all from a protective place. So the fact that Peter like remembers it so wrong like that. So I, I really loved that scene of him reuniting and like he doesn't even have to say who he is and his grandpa just already knows that that's Peter. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's it's a really sweet moment um, between the two of them. So I like that we're going to see him on Earth and kind of understand <laughs> like what Earth looks like after all this time away. And um, Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because that is yeah. our very end credit scene, isn't it? It's, it's Peter and his granddad just kind of sat there eating cereal. Yes, and, and we, we do get a kind with, of the legendary well, Star we Lord will this. return. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so um, we will be very interesting. Him out back. Yes, very interesting. Um, but yeah, I loved the character moments. Um, even just at the beginning to see how close they are, and Nebula and. Uh, mantis like mantis being able to call her out like nebula still you know she obviously loves these people but she's still pushing them away you know she still has a, a wall up um and i like mantis kind of calling her out on that and like defending drax and saying you know he makes us laugh and he loves us so leave him alone for being stupid like that's I, who he is you know yeah i i remember really kind of not loving mantis in volume two when we first met her but ever since then in each you know each new thing we see her. yeah mm -hmm. of mantis each new movie or special or whatever it may be that has mantis i've come to enjoy her more and more yeah as a character and she really nails this entire movie Yes. She's wonderful in this movie. Again, she ha goes through her own self-realization. I've never been able to do just what I want. She yeah, says. even being with I you was guys, always... nobody listens yeah. to me really. I'm just doing what I'm told. Yeah. Yeah, so it's nice that she at the very end of the has movie the, has that self-realization. Goes off. And... Has that self-realization. Goes off to do her own thing. Whether we see Mantis again, who knows? Yeah, and Whether she goes off with those big monsters. Years and years and years. Yes. And the who sweetness of, of Drax wanting to go with her to protect her. And she's like, no, I can protect myself. Like, I'm okay. And, and him not wanting to leave her, especially kind of watching too and seeing kind of how like terrible he was her, other. calling her ugly and all kinds of stuff. And now the fact that he's just like, it's really hard for him to say goodbye to her. Which, yeah. which I, I kind of loved in their kind of dynamic We got together. that. We got that considerably in the holiday special. Yes, and learning also that she is Peter's sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the fact that we learned that she's she's uh, Peter's half sister. Um, Technically, ego. Yeah, you know. Yes. <laughs> who hasn't ego fathered? Right. You know, he, he <laughs> yeah. Could be. He could be everybody's brother, Peter Quill. Really, couldn't he? But that's beside the point. Um, Mantis, I just think was was wonderful in this movie i think it's such a great it's a great and and, and almost perfect ending of their yeah. story because they realize who they are all of them every single one yes even groot. i mean even groot really 
Groot never does too much, does he? He does a lot of the heavy lifting in battle and things like that, but he never does too much in terms of the humanity, but always comes out with a nice big family line at the end of the movie because he's Vin Diesel and he has to come out with something like we are one. (laughs) Yes. So, Um, but I like that. I like that interpretation because, you know, the whole time this new Gamora is like, what is he saying? Like, I know who you are very much like when Peter first met Groot and to the point where now all of them understand the different nuances to I am Groot and that they mean different things and they can hear what he's saying through the I am Groot's. And by the end, you know, Gamora's like looking off, like waiting, and um, we hear Groot come up behind her and say, I am Groot. And she's like, Oh, yeah, no, I'll be right there. Just let them know. And she like realizes she's understanding what he's saying because she's opened herself up to, you know, getting to the know family. them. <laughs> yes, the family. Yes. So I love that. Like she surprises herself when she realizes she's actually understanding that I am Groot. It sounds like something different. So when he does say, I love you guys, I'd like to think that it's us finally after three films understanding I am Groot language. And, you know, he is saying I am Groot, but we are hearing what he really is saying. And I like that's that. kind of how I like, I like to interpret him saying something different. And um, yeah, so I very much like that thought. I really yeah. do. Yeah, and I would, I would like that to be officially. Not that it has to be recognized as officially the case for it to be the case for you. Yes, you know, yes. You... So yeah, I, I'd like I to think that that's what he was trying to do. Was I think that's really special for us, I you like know, watching that. this, watching this family for all this time. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I don't think we really talked much about Adam Warlock yet. Um, Not at all. No, I had I, heard Mr. Eyebrows himself, Will Poulter. <laughs> yes. I had heard that you know, if you are a fan of the comic book version of him, you probably won't like how he's depicted. But in this film, it works. So I get that because I don't know Adam. While I don't know much about Adam Warlock in the comics, I know him to not really be this kind of like idiot baby who doesn't really understand Jeez, anything. Exactly and you know, mommy, <laughs> mommy Aisha, like help me, help me. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I can understand if you were kind of like a hardcore comics person, you might not like that. But I think it kind of worked in in that essence, especially no, learning that the Sovereign were uh, a race that was created by the high evolutionary. And he calls them kind of beautiful, but dumb. So they are kind of yeah. and they are shown to be kind of egotistical and dumb and just kind of thinking they're high and mighty and that's all they're focused on. So they're already kind of a dumb race anyway of, of people. So the Adam fact Wallach that like seems particularly yeah. stupid yeah. for that particular even even that. Yes. And so the fact really. that you know we do see him kind of sympathize for for this animal that he's like orphaned now. I think that already is just kind of a hint to open him up to showing him as kind of an emotional being. Um, so that when he does kind of make that turn, it doesn't feel out of nowhere. Um, it makes sense because he, um, you know, was kind of just following orders and doing what he was told and doing what mummy told him. And um, so I think they worked enough um, kind of sympathy in there with him, you know, feeling things for other characters and uh, that. So when he did kind of make that turn to want to be a part of the team and be a good person, it didn't feel out of nowhere. So, I mean, I liked his no. depiction. I thought he was some great comic relief in there. I think he looked great. And ultimately, kind of his turnaround by the end uh, made sense and, and felt fun. So, 
Well, I, ultimately, I he <laughs> saved Peter's life. Yeah. At the very end, in a in a very obvious um, Adam creation of Adam <laughs> yeah, moment. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and he also <laughs> he even does the little hand finger pointy thing. Yes. Motion of the painting. Uh, it's yes. so blatantly obvious that it's almost yes. vomit-inducing, but okay, <laughs> go for it, yes, why not? Yeah, and he ultimately becomes part of the new Rocket's New Guardians team. So, which is Groot, by know. the way, in this Rocket's New Guardians team, is absolutely enormous. Like, Yeah, which which is like, I think there's versions of him called King Groot or something else, I can't remember. How large so, is Groot? <laughs> yes, so this is, this is based off comic versions of Groot, where he is like a very huge version of himself, like the how it's how it looks how it's animated is very much to kind of this bigger version of group in comic books so it's related to something it's not just a random okay. like it's not just huge. all of a sudden shot up <laughs> yeah inside. no it's definitely related to uh, a version of Groot that grows that big um from okay. from comics I, i'm led to, I to learn from my from my uh you know research my breakdown I research see. um but yeah, I mean, some great emotional beats. I think the comedy was peppered in there decently. Um, yeah, but not, villain... o- not over, you know, not overdone. So we didn't mainly focus on the genuine, yes, heartfelt horribleness of this entire story because yeah. that is what it, it wanted to be. And I said this last week when we were talking about the initial reactions of this movie. MCU movies need to be grim for them to be critically well liked. Yeah. This was a very grim movie. Definitely. And it continues to be critically well liked and now very well liked by the vast majority of people, you know, the general public going to see it as well. And it is a a, a bleak affair at times this thing. It yeah. is unusual when you go and watch the other two Guardians movies that I suppose the start of... of oh, well, I suppose there's elements in Guardians 1 and 2 that are miserable, you know, Peter getting kidnapped after his mum's death Mother and all just this. just passed away, yeah. Them finding out in 2 that it was Ego who gave her cancer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Not nice things to figure out, but ultimately the two of Losing them are Yondu. mainly comedic movies. The Yondu yeah death they're mainly comedic movies this is not mainly a comedic movie no that's not the focus they focus on the difficult aspects and then comedy this is a sci-fi movie this is a sci-fi evolution body horror movie yeah um and it's about taking that kind of mentality down it's about depicting that mentality as unabashedly evil yeah um as as it should be because that's what every it's what yes and i like horror movie ever is about yes and i like that rocket's kind of lying to him at the end of you're not trying to make things better you just don't like things the way they are yeah you know you just can't accept things for the way they are and, and so i love that kind of last call out that he gives so him Let's take your mask off. Yes, and and and, and also just a funny, <laughs> just just a kind of funny nod to the comedy of this movie and the fact that like you know, 
everyone's like it's a trap it's a trap and peter's like no it's a face-off it's a face-off it's a face-off and then we do actually get a face coming off yes that's a good point yes don't get me wrong there's still plenty of humorous parts in there there's still plenty of comedy in there it is it's just not the main focus which i i really did appreciate from this i certainly think it's it's one of the stronger more recent mcu movies definitely yes like i don't think i felt like this since no way home like this excitement this emotion um you know obviously i felt that from wakanda forever but it was like that movie was a different situation yes that was its own kind of special like i felt like i was attending a funeral for t'challa a funeral for chadwick boseman with that movie and so it's hard to kind of the world outside the universe implications yeah it had real world things that played yeah it had real world elements playing into you know what that movie was meant to be and what it was about so this um, one's still entirely fictional yes the stakes of it felt very kind of ingrained in things that really happened whereas this one in terms of just the mcu and the the stakes of of you know what the mcu and the excitement of of what's going to happen to these characters and seeing kind of the harsh moments from characters that you really have grown to love i have not felt that since kind of no way home i think that's Um, fair so i I was i was happy to kind of feel that mcu excitement again because i really have not gotten that from you know what we've been given so far um that same excitement that i felt from endgame because i even i even rewatched endgame and like i was just feeling so many awesome things about that like just how perfect that culmination was of like this universe and all of the callbacks just peppered in there so so um uh, just creatively and in great moments and uh, just the attention to detail of that movie and and like the loss that we suffered and the joys that we felt and the moments that happened um, and we got a lot of that in No Way Home so to kind of feel that again we got some great character moments and character insights and amazing epic fight scenes and cool slow-mo walks and and yeah. great needle drops that played well and like James Gunn is very much like an Edgar Wright in terms of the needle drops are not just like Suicide Squad just there just to be there no they mean they, something they do they mean something they're they're chosen for specific scenes he plays those songs on set in those scenes to get the characters in that motivation there's purpose behind every song choice and every song's placement in the movie they're not just there for a cool moment they're there yeah. For purpose. And so the needle drops were a lot of fun. And, you know, like I said, the slow-mo walks, like even that moment when uh, Peter saves Gamora and they kind of look at each other and smile and you kind of, uh, you know, just moments like that that make you feel something and and show kind of an evolution in a character. And um, I will say I thought like after kind of Gamora was looking through Peter's bag and like seeing Rocket and... um, kind of trying to protect him on the ship and stuff like that i thought we were really going to see her kind of switch up in in terms of how she was behaving and that she was maybe going to try to get some of the the um neighborhood people when they're in that on on the earth too 
she was yeah, gonna try. It, to, she was she was gonna try to get save some of them and get counter them counter earth. Counter earth, yeah. Um, I thought she was going to try to save some of them and like get them on the ship or something. So I was expecting something like that to be kind of the start of her her turn uh, of kind of you know respecting what these guardians do and not wanting to hurt people because you know she gets called out for that a lot. Um, so I thought that like that would have been something that they would have done like once you know they saw that um the high evolutionary was blowing up the planet that she was going to try to save some of those people in, yeah. in that suburb and get them on the ship but obviously we get that kind of in a later scene with um all the kind of experiments on on um the high evolutionary ship instead i mean that that it's it's something that takes that you think is you know the experimentation aspect of this movie and the the actual genuine evil of the high evolutionary is something that you know we think has hit its limit with rocket's story but then rocket is revived you yeah know, rocket is is okay again you get this real kind of heavy teary-eyed relief from everybody as yes. well as everybody watching the movie yeah. in the cinema as well but then it gets even worse when they go back onto his ship and there's all these children about yeah what's all this where, where, where's all this been we've not even seen this it gets doubly worse trebly worse yes and then there's because... even more animals again that he's still doing these tests and experiments and all these things too yeah. um and rocket i love him despite everything we've seen you know he, him go through with this high evolutionary the fact that he's like i'm done running i'm done i'm going to save all these animals well, he completely and the fact that he, stands up to him yes and i love that he is he's a brave enough to go back after everything and he's just done running away from all of that um and then again just with talking about you know great fight sequences and great moments in this movie that whole sequence where everyone kind of gets a moment and they're just taking out guys left and right and there's yeah. these great little team up moments and this very fluid uh great shot of fight them yes it's so good it's so good and I, I see a lot of people touting this is kind of their favorite fight sequence in an mcu movie and it's definitely up there like i thought it was I, I, amazing i, I could see that i could see as, that as a yeah, pure sure. singular fight sequence yeah i could see that i, I don't see so, anything wrong with saying that yeah yeah so i, I think i love that uh, all the characters get really great moments we see evolutions in relationships over these past Two, two films for you know obviously for characters like mantis and, and then three films for everyone else and you really feel their family dynamic you really feel um you know the difficulty in saying goodbye but the love and respect for each other and understanding why people need to do what they need to do um and the yeah. support and the support in letting people you love go because you know this is what they need to do for their journey people finding their purpose um all of that speaks to you know a great way to close out this trilogy to close out uh the journeys of these characters um and, and i think it, it was fitting like i'm so glad we didn't lose anybody but we still hit Even all those emotional <laughs> well he needs to be a dad like i, I like he just that. need to be a dad i like that. a reasonable other way of finishing uh, drax's story yeah yes um 
So well, Dave Batista was going on and going on like he died. Yes, he was. He was definitely the way he was talking, like made me feel like he was going to die. Um, but I'm glad we didn't lose anybody. I'm glad everyone just found their purpose somewhere else and that, that everyone was able to support each other's kind of purpose and going. Yeah. Um, Gamora's never going to be that Gamora, but I like that she came to an understanding with how she could have become that Gamora. And that was able to give kind of Peter that closure. The moment with his grandfather absolutely loved him going home and without any words spoken, like he knew who he was. Um, and uh, yeah, just loved all the character moments, the relationship moments and, you know, the emotional beats of it. Uh, getting to know Rocket even in such a very difficult way. I think, you know, we needed that to understand him, especially after kind of, seeing his reactions to what people say to him in the first two movies, you know, it makes so much more sense why those things are so hurtful and triggering for him once you kind of see what happens to him in this film. So yeah. I think we needed to see it while it was difficult. Um, but yeah, I think the comedy worked in where it needed to. And um, the focus was the character moments. Um, even the action, I think, came second to the character things, I think. Um, oh, absolutely. And, 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 absolutely. Was, and was really well done when it needed to kind of come in there. Uh, so we got enough action that fit in perfectly. We got our needle drops that fit in and worked in perfectly. We had our character moments that were the core of this story. And we got our comedy that worked in where it needed to work in. Um, so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I think this was a great uh, MCU trilogy. Um, I kind of maybe have to do a reevaluation because I think Captain America was always my go-to favorite trilogy of um, the MCU, but I don't know. I really, in in watching these movies back to back, like Guardians is a great uh, evolution of characters, really investing us in characters that nobody really knew about or really cared about even and and to have such an emotional hit to everyone who's seen it with characters that you know are not as widely known as everyone else we've gotten in the mcu just speaks to you know james gunn's writing and 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 these these uh, actors performances and the story of these these movies so you you have you have concluded this review <laughs> stunningly well Janine. oh i'm sorry <laughs> just 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 tell me want. i'm rambling just just tell me i'm rambling no I, I i can i cannot possibly say anything else because i i, I echo a, a great deal of those sentiments that you put in there although ranking trilogies and all that kind of stuff does come somewhat difficult yes yes yeah um just one little thing I will say, though, is I really like the musical evolution, actually, mm -hmm. of these movies. Given the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy 1 was full of 70s songs, 2 was full of 80s songs, and this, in the end, ended up with a song from, like, the 2000s before yeah. going right back to Come and Get Your Love from the beginning yes from that first Guardians needle drop one. from the first film and then we even open it with a 90s song with creep and uh yeah so... that's what i mean it, it, <laughs> yeah it's a real fluid decades yeah of, evolution of and i'm sure that was really wholly like. purposeful oh of course it was of course it was yeah yeah but yeah, and Drax I, uh, dancing, Drax finally dancing. Drax he actually has, dancing. He yeah. has he has his whole mentality about there are people who dance and people who don't, and um, 
the fact that he does like is is a very special thing as well i think nebula too (laughs) i mean nebula dancing i think is more impressive than drax dancing really drax is a bit of a weirdo you know he's kind of stupid and funny nebula's just generally miserable yeah every right to be but oh, of course, to actually but... see Nebula have fun is a is a big deal. Yeah, is a big deal. Yes, but yes, there we are, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy Volume Three. That is our full spoiler thoughts on it. I think it's time for some fun and games, Janine. I have <laughs> a book. Oh yeah, it's your turn this week. To it's my me. turn. So you know we've uh, let let's. Let's just go for something that you should be uh, somewhat happy with, given the fact you've just announced that you've done a full rewatch of all <laughs> oh, the Guardians great. of the Galaxy movies. Thank you, thank you. So let's do Reminding some Guardians the of the Galaxy trivia, <laughs> shall we? I have a book. What? Where'd you even get that? <laughs> this is a free book that I got with a magazine. It's MCU trivia. Oh, so, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy. <clears throat> Number one. Do I get multiple choice? No. There's no <laughs> options. <laughs> this is all based on the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. We will okay. then perhaps do questions on volume two as well. Okay. Who co-wrote Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn? I'll have to um... find the answers. Um, isn't it his brother? No. No? I know it isn't. It isn't his brother. <laughs> okay. It's Nicole Perlman. Okay, yeah, I would not have gotten that. Trivia. <laughs> um, <laughs> released in 2000, which super team movie starring Rob Lowe was written by James Gunn? These are apparently Guardians of the Galaxy-based trivia questions. Although they appear to just be James Gunn trivia questions. Yes. Um, wait, read the question again. Released in 2000, which Super Team movie starring Rob Lowe was written by James Gunn? Rob Lowe in a Super Team movie? <laughs> what? This movie is The Specials. Oh, yeah. Specials. No. I don't know what that is. I'm like a St. Elmo's Fire. It's a brat pack of superheroes. Complete the quote from Guardians of the Galaxy. If I had a black light, this would look like a what? Painting. A Jackson Pollock painting. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy was nominated for two Academy Awards. What were they? Oh, visual effects? Yes. And hair and makeup? Yes. <laughs> Who voices Groot in the Russian language version of Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, that's a trick question. It is Vin Diesel. He did all of the voices. <laughs> in all of the languages. <laughs> Which US state is Peter Quill abducted from at the oh. beginning of the movie? 
That's um, a good question. That's a good yeah, question. it is. I think he's from Iowa. He's from Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Okay. Um, name the group headed by Yondu. We know that. the Ravagers. Yes. Which it star plays young Peter Quill? Oh, I don't know. It's the one who plays Stanley. You're a. I've got no idea. It's the one who plays like the Jewish kid, but I don't know his Wyatt Olaf. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Okay, that's fine. Oh, there's twenty questions here. Let's do ten, <laughs> and we'll do ten on volume okay. two. Name the Guardians star who said, "I was just excited to be asked to join by James Gunn and also play someone green. I've been blue before." What a stupidly easy question. What? Oh, uh, Zoe Saldana. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave Bautista and Vin Diesel co-starred in a film prior to Guardians of the Galaxy. What was that movie? Huh? Oh dear. What? Dave Bautista and Vin Diesel were in a movie together prior to Guardians of the Galaxy. What's what has Vin Diesel it? done? That was not a Fast and Furious movie. It was not the Fast um, and Furious. Was it that uh, Bloodshot movie? No, it was Riddick. Oh, they Bautista was in Riddick? Oh. <laughs> Let's go for some uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 questions. There is actually only 10 of these. Name the giant toothy beast. It's not Teeth's. That the Guardians <laughs> battle in the oh, opening set piece. I don't remember what Guardians that thing is called. Yeah, and they don't eat people. They just eat batteries. I don't know what they're called. Don't the remember. Abelisk. Oh, okay. They're in this movie as well. They're in yes. Volume 3 as well. There's, There's three, three of them. them. Yes. Mantis goes home with them. <laughs> yes. And which Guardian finally finishes the monster off at the beginning of volume two um gamora yes oh we know this aisha is the high priestess of which people the sovereign uh, the character ego is what sort of being he is a celestial name the 2013 thriller in which Mantis features alongside Thanos, Scarlet Witch, and Nick Fury. What? Name the 2013 thriller in which Mantis features alongside Thanos, Scarlet Witch, and Nick Fury. I like the phrasing of that. Question. I know. So it's a movie that stars all of them? Yes. Mm. Mm. Is it well known? Like, yeah. have, I, have I seen this? Relatively, yeah. Um, have you seen it? I think you probably have. I can't I, I think of. I can't think of anything I've seen Palm Clementine in. Um. Sam Jackson mm. and she's not necessarily the lead of the movie. 
I don't know. She's just in it. Um, it's old boy. Oh <laughs> yes, old, old boy. boy. Yes, yes. Sylvester Stallone starred as which comic book hero in 1995? Oh, uh, Judge Dredd. Yes. How many mid-credit scenes are there in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Uh, two? There's four, apparently, plus one post-credit scene. I don't know. I don't recall that. But... No. I'm trying that to think. Oh, there's the oh, there's the Adam one of Aisha having Adam. Um, oh, there's Groot not cleaning his room. There's the end credit scene, and then I'm trying to think what the third one is, what the fourth one is. No, this is four plus one post credit oh. scene. This is mid credits. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I'm remembering uh, Peter coming in and Groot's just like being a jerk because oh, yeah. his room's all full of vines yeah, and leaves. Yeah, Groot. Groot, hey, what's your language? <laughs> yes. Right. Um. Oh, there's Craglin trying to use the arrow and like sticking himself in the butt. <laughs> um, and then what's the fourth one? I've got no idea. Is it something with Mantis? I really don't know. Oh, anyway, which character inherits Yondu's whistle, whistle controlled arrow? We know that. Oh, Craglin. Uh, name the character voiced by Miley Cyrus. Uh, I don't remember. It's that robot head. It is that robot head, yes. But in this it's movie, it's actually not her. It's Tara Strong. No, it's not. Time. I noticed that. Yeah, it was Tara Strong. I think I who voiced Harley you know, Quinn in a lot of things. It was Tara Strong, actually. Yeah, and no Michelle Yeoh. But we did no get Michelle Michael Yeoh. Michael Rosenbaum back as that glass head guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, mainframe, mainframe. Okay. No Michelle Yeoh, but Michelle Yeoh is also Shang Chi's somebody or other. aunt. His aunt. aunt. <laughs> yes. And uh, we got some other crossover happening again in this film. As Linda Cardellini was the voice of Lila. Yes. And she's uh, yes, what's Clinton Barton's wife. <laughs> I can't be having that. Yeah. <laughs> Rocket ever goes and meets Clint, he'll be like, wait. <laughs> right? Your wife sounds vaguely familiar. Right. So very <laughs> familiar to me. Yeah. Um, and which is the odd one out? Trash panda. Scrotum hat. A lovely phrase. Triangle faced monkey. Uh, a scrotum hat, which yes. is gross. And like, <laughs> a why would they? Phrase. Yes. Um, the others are rocket insults. There you go. There's some Guardians of the All Galaxy. Right. Those were solid questions. Yeah. Today's game. We enjoyed that. We had fun on today's Monday Madness, as we always do, Janine. As we always do. A big, monstrous, full spoiler review yes. <laughs> of Volume 3 there of Guardians of the Galaxy. But yes, do we have anything else, Janine? Or do we simply like to say that this is not the only show that we have on the It's a Wonderful <laughs> podcast feed, nor is it the only thing we have on this YouTube channel? If you are watching here on YouTube, subscribe, ding your notification bells up there. Uh, for all the fun stuff we have here, Morgan's Movie Collection, 
um, Janine's other random videos that she does, mostly Scream-related based. Watch as of late, yes. <laughs> this show, every single week, well, most weeks, Mondays anyway, um, on this YouTube channel, but on the podcast feed itself, on all major pod- podcast platforms, the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We have this show, we have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, and It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, every Friday. Um, we celebrate old movies over there on the main show. Janine curates series for me to watch for the first time on Morgan Hasn't Seen. It is always a fun time. Every single show on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. If you would like to support us on Patreon or donate in any way, there has been a scrolling bar going down at the bottom of the screen if you are watching or there are links in the description to go and support us in that way if you are feeling particularly generous or you can of course just find us on social media on twitter at the at uh, at the purple don with the three instead of the e and the is 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 mine because Jenny. three is the magic number you can find the show at It's a Wonderful One. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at just the purple don. But all your galaxy smashing things are where. You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, the link has been scrolling by. You can find it in the description or just search T- uh, It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. We have some really fun designs over there, all the logos for our shows, including some fun Stranger Things designs. So check it out if you want merch. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. And I will end this by saying... We are good. I love you guys. <laughs> Count us down. Three, two, one. Bye.